everyone, and welcome to the 201st episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro. Hello. Churro, the, cho- the show just keeps going on. Just and keeps the, going. Know, it's like the song, you know, the movie never ends. It goes on yeah. and on. Thank you guys, everyone that joined us last time for our live stream of episode 200. Thank you, It was guys. a really great time. Appreciate everybody that could make it. If you weren't able to catch it while it was live, it is actually uploaded on YouTube. Obviously, it's on iTunes, the audio version, but you can still catch the video version on uh, on YouTube, on our YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash khunionvids. It is still live. It's it's there. It's also on Twitch as well, the VOD. Oh, yeah, the VOD. Yeah, it, it's not going to last that long, though, right? Uh, it's I like think it's two gonna- weeks. A few weeks, I believe. Yeah, so just in case it gets deleted off of Twitch, because Twitch is uh, very uh, stingy when it comes to this sort of stuff, just in case it's not there anymore. It is on YouTube, and actually this time, in the past when we've done those, I've actually like uploaded it, like edited, like it's edited on the podcast. I actually left it raw. This is the raw upload uh, or that I got off of uh, me recording the Twitch VOD, so... Yeah, everything's in there. We actually had like a little chat after the fact, so all of that stuff is still in there. So it's the full thing. So yeah, if you want the Twitch experience on YouTube, you can get it apart from the chat. Churro, in addition to that, I've also started a uh, playthrough of Man of Medan. I don't know if you've... uh, Have you ever played or seen anybody play uh, Until Dawn? What's your experience with that? game i have not seen like playthroughs of like i've seen bits and pieces but i've not seen yeah the yeah game. so i really liked until dawn so man of medan is basically the same studio but unlike with until dawn man of medan is actually uh like a multi-platform game it was actually published by all studios of like it was namco 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 bandai even though it's like an Amer, uh, I think no, not American. It's like a, I think a British studio that's doing it. But yeah, publisher is a Japanese publisher, and uh, yeah, it's basically this horror game where you constantly have all these choices, and the choices actually like really affect what happens in the course of the, in the course of the game. So uh, the original game until dawn they actually had this butterfly imagery a lot and it didn't have to do with the actual theme of the story, but more of the concept of the butterfly effect where you change one little thing and then everything changes. That's basically that game. Like uh, the basic premise of it is it's a horror. It's like a horror movie, you know, think of like a, uh, whatchamacallit. Uh, I know what you did last summer or scream like one of those kinds of horror movies but all the characters involved can die or you can save all the characters or any one of them can die. So by the end of it, one of the like metrics that you can judge yourself by is how many of your characters actually survive the game. And the game's endings like greatly change depending on how many characters you actually have that survive the whole ordeal. So it actually is one of those games where there are choices, but they actually really do matter because they it changes the whole course of the story, and it actually uh, encourages like multiple playthroughs. So I started Man of Medan. It's that sort of thing. It's uh, available now on uh, on Game Pass, 
really like it. Highly recommend it so far. I'm like halfway through. Uh, I'm actually eager to later uh, go back and maybe uh, actually properly play Until Dawn. I like saw a YouTube playthrough of it, but uh, I want to play it again. Seems seems pretty interesting. And uh, yeah, so anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes Store, Spotify, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at, at @KHUnion. And for this episode, we have a two-segment show. We have a news segment and a question segment. And Churro, we do have a lot of news this episode. Wow, we do? Yeah, actually a lot of it. It's not like... I wouldn't describe all of it as like super earth-shattering. There's no like game game announcements, no trailers, but of what we have, there is a lot. So I hope you do enjoy it. And then, yeah, of course, we have our questions. Uh, In the way of announcements, as always, if you guys like the show please consider supporting us on patreon at patreon.com slash union. and our patreon executive producers for this episode are as follows we have nahika blawi alex and rachel troutman who are at akira namejin guide seeker billy jackson who's at underscore billy jackson chris morales miles ribbons michael graham david calro barry norton who's at nortron zero chris pope who's at dr pope 181 Thorin Bullen, who's at Massacre23. And Churro, if you could take these last ones. We have Yannick Nod, who's at Yannick Nod. Toy Patrick. Freya Stella. Freya Bayali. Flip Sirdnus. Lewis James. Tom Hughes, who's at Tom underscore Hughes22. Zach Duranto. Yam Potato Exclamation Point. Rachel Casterton at Uber Noon Ray. Zelda Claw to Apes Type Novels. Darren Matthews, who's at Doomster73, and Joseph Robertson's at Pokemon Trainer J. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. And as for Kingdom Hearts 3, remind spoilers, they are fair game. We always remind you guys of that. But uh, yeah, particularly in, in this episode, there will be uh, actual Kingdom Hearts remind spoilers, just so you uh, know in advance. So now, moving on to the news. So first bit of news is actually, I I guess not new. It's like really old, but it's a very old story that we never knew about Kingdom Hearts uh, prior to this coming out. But there was an article published uh, by a website called Otokoto. And this article was by uh, Shuji Utsumi, who is a strategist at Disney in Japan back in the early 2000s, and he was greatly involved in the history of Kingdom Hearts becoming a thing. So uh, according to his article, basically back in the day, there was a time where Disney of Japan and Squaresoft had decided to start working on Kingdom Hearts and were already working on it, but at that point, uh, Disney of Japan alone had no way of providing for real the license to all the disney content that's more that was something that only uh disney of america could uh provide because you know obviously that's the main branch and uh you know japan's just a side branch so uh at some point they had to get to a point where they actually had to go and go get the license for real from uh disney of america so uh 
Yeah, basically he was talking about how he actually had a meeting with uh, then-CEO Michael Eisner, the CEO of Disney, and talking about... It sounded like he was talking about several things, and one of the topics was Kingdom Hearts. And he was actually really nervous, because apparently there was a lot of veteran staff at his office uh, in Japan that was like, there's no way this is going to work. This is going to get th- thrown away. This they is not like going to happen. They were even prepared for that, for him to come yeah. back and say, yeah, we're not doing this. Yeah. So, and to be honest, like even after all is said and done, like you tell anybody about Kingdom Hearts and like, wait, what? <laughs> they actually made a game like that? And yeah, they did. So uh, yeah, basically he described Michael Eisner as being this like very imposing figure. You know, he, he said that the interview in in and of itself actually felt less like a, like an, like an Eastern or less like a Western style interview, which can be a lot more open, but more like a Japanese style interview where, you know, the big boss is at the top. He's got this big entourage and he seems very stern and doesn't seem to really give away too much about what he's feeling. But at the end of the day, he did get the approval. And uh sure, I think, own way. Yeah, I think you mentioned he was like, you know, just do it right. <laughs> that was basically his uh Yeah, he his, he didn't actually input like, on give it. praise or give input. He just said, uh keep it going, just do it right, basically yeah. saying don't mess up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh that that's actually like really good. But he also didn't mention I don't think Michael Eisner did this, but like he said other staff that did come along uh, actually praised him on Kingdom Hearts and actually uh, shook his hand because they they actually really liked the project. So it just goes to show that like, you know, Kingdom Hearts wasn't always the set in stone thing. Like there was definitely a point where, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty. But even despite that, they were already working on it. So you imagine if like if it wasn't for that yeah you know, where we wouldn't even be here dogging right that's crazy i i'm just wondering like how far along were they at that point i can't imagine it was that far like I mean, they, they they probably had to like get some like groundwork done yeah i my guess though is it it was probably mostly design stuff that's my guess I I would assume it's less programming and actual development of the game and more pre-production stuff like concept art and things like that. That that would my that would be my guess at least. Like I I don't know if you remember Churro, but there was that one uh, leaked design document that came out that was titled Kingdom of Hearts that had yeah. all the like English explanation of what Kingdom Hearts was all about. I I would assume that it was it wasn't probably that. That seemed like that was made a lot later in production, but I kind of feel like it might have been something along those lines, like some kind of a design document, maybe some concept art. It just feels like uh, I, I just remember, you know, Churro, over the course of all these years of hearing about what it was like early on with Kingdom Hearts 1, there was a lot of back and forth with uh, Disney of America about like w- what they can use, what they can't use. And then like, there's for, ex- a- for example, not being able to use Mickey Mouse. Yeah. So like, a- who knows what that original Kingdom Hearts that was pitched by Utsumi, what that could have been like. And then there's that famous meeting with Nomura and the Disney executives that he would yeah. Nomura flew over from Japan to kind of like how the argument, how who was going to be the main character. Yeah. Um, 
Nomura wanted, uh, what was it? He, uh, Disney wanted Donald. Yeah. To be the main character. Nomura wanted Mickey Mouse. And yep. that was, you know, like you said, going off, you said how, you know, they didn't want Mickey Mouse to be the main character. So then Nomura should finally, you know, using that, that situation they were in and like, you know, that deadlock. Yeah. Nomura then presented his, you know, concept art of Sora. Yeah. That we all know is the Lion Sora. Yep. So, yeah, there's so many, like, different points in production where the project could have taken a very different direction or just straight up not happen. I mean, obviously, like, uh, you know, the classic example of what if, like, uh, before, you know, Shinji Hashimoto got in the elevator, what if he was like, oh, I need to tie my shoe and miss his elevator, you know? It could have been as yep. simple as that. So basically, it was just like it was fate. Just, it's like different, like like you said, it's fate. But like, it had so many different like things just come right one right after another. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really. I hope one day we can get a little bit more insight into what exactly the state of Kingdom Hearts was at that point, like. Like, we know now, more recently, that uh, Nomura wasn't always involved in the project. Like, obviously, the most per- the person involved most early on was Shinji Hashimoto and, you know, the you know Disney of Japan staff. And it was only later that Nomura h- overheard Shinji was, Hashimoto uh, talking with... Uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi. Yeah, Hironobu Sakaguchi talking about what the possibility of that project could be. And then Nomura's like, ooh, I want to be on that. So, you know, it, there's definitely like so many different phases of the production of this series. And even to this day, like Shinji Hashimoto has taken a more like, uh, you know, behind an even more behind the scenes role more recently. I think he's like uh, he, he is still kind of like a brand manager for Kingdom Hearts, but he's a lot more hands off than he was in the past where he was, you know, for many years, he was the executive producer on the series you know, from the very beginning, executive producer on these games. And uh, now there's a new executive producer involved. And I think, but I think he, he is still involved even to this day, specifically with Kingdom Hearts. So I, I, I really appreciate that. He's always been there. And uh, yeah, so uh, really interesting uh, backstory. Like we don't get these that often, Churro, but I hope yeah, in the we future do. we can get more. I, I always hold these in like high regard because they're like such lost treasures because right because remember for the longest time we always had that story of two the elevator the elevator story and, then and that was we finally, it. it yeah we didn't know like the names or anybody that was involved in that then all of a sudden it was at the two twenty fourteen Kingdom March two point five launch event yep you know they finally revealed who the two people were in that story so like we're we're starting to get a little bit more and more you know yeah. as the years go on about how Kingdom Hearts came to be, which is yeah. very interesting. You know, this is a little unrelated to Kingdom Hearts, but recently, I don't know if you've seen Churro, there's been that uh, big uh, giga leak of all that old uh, Nintendo stuff, like old uh, like source code of like Mario 64 and like uh, Star Fox 64 and, you know, Zelda, uh, Link to the Past and, you know, them uncovering all this like really old in production versions of these games, beta versions of old Nintendo games. And people are like unearthing all these old, co- all this old content. Like I, I obviously 
not a good thing. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't like, uh, you know, steal content like that. But I kind of hope in the future one day that maybe Square Enix of their own volition will, you know, give us more insight into like the old data of Kingdom Hearts. I mean, I, I kind of have a little bit lost hope because, I mean, if they lost the source code for the final build of Kingdom Hearts, what's the chances that they still have any code at all for the in-production versions of the original Kingdom Hearts? But, you know, a guy can hope. W- one of these days, maybe some of that kind of stuff could uh, see the light of day. Uh, I always love seeing that stuff because, you know, it makes you wonder what could have been you know, one little change and we could have had Lion Sora the whole game, you know? Right. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, really interesting stuff. And speaking of production, uh, Epic Games, uh, as a part of their uh, Unreal Engine Project Spotlight series, did a uh, special uh, little uh, uh, report on Kingdom Hearts 3. They actually uh, did an interview with the Kingdom Hearts 3 staff and talking about uh, what was it about King? Uh, you know, what was it about Unreal Engine Four that made Kingdom Hearts Three possible? What what aspects of the engine did they like? What aspects of the engine really helped them along? And uh, yeah, I thought we, we could do like a little little quick uh, breakdown of what was discussed there, and I can interject some stuff here because this is a little bit more my cup of tea. Because yeah, I use Unreal Engine Four like. <laughs> I don't know, if not every day, like at least like several times in a week. So, uh, I, so yeah, I guess basic- the floor is yours when it comes yeah. to that element. <laughs> no, no worries. I'll be quick. But yeah, basically, uh, there, uh, so it, it basically boils down to there's two main key points about Unreal Engine 4 that was really helpful. Uh, the first key point was the fact that. Unreal Engine 4 provides full source code access to the engine. So this is something that, you know, you might take for granted, but not many engines that are third-party engines. That is to say, when you don't make the engine yourself, it's not always often that they actually provide the source code to you as well when you license an engine. So... The fact that they had access to the source code basically allowed Square Enix to really customize things to their liking. Obviously, uh, you know, the Kingdom Hearts team is used to working on their own custom technology, their own custom engines. So they have certain ways that they like to do things that, you know, the fact that they can use Unreal Engine 4 as the basis and utilize it for most things that, you know either Unreal Engine 4 does it better than they did or it's good enough or, you know, does it as well as they did in the past. You know, basically the engine development staff could basically just focus on making tools and assets and content for the designers that will help them make the game the way they like to make it. But then for all the other stuff that, you know, they can use just the regular Unreal Engine built-in stuff, they don't have to make that too. They only have to make the part of the engine that is necessary to making the game still feel like Kingdom Hearts. Uh, so one of the particular tools that they talked about was their VFX tool. So basically their uh, special effects uh, authoring tool and uh, how they were, that was something that was really important to them because, you know, Kingdom Hearts and uh, even back in, you know, you, you look back at, uh, you know, Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2, 
you know, look at all the magic effects in that game. Like Kingdom Hearts magic effects and special effects have a very specific look to them. You know, you bash a keyblade on a wall and all the, you know, sparks come off and sometimes there'll be different shapes and, you know, they can be really interesting the way they do that. There's also like, you know, really classic example is uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, the dry form transformations. Every time that happens or, you know, you look at uh, things like the when anyone in Organization 13 opens up a portal like Kingdom Hearts has always had a really amazing looking visual effects pipeline. It always looks a very specific way. Like when you see a Kingdom Hearts special effect, you know, whether it be magic or you know, anything like that. It looks very distinctly Kingdom Hearts. And I think we can all agree, you know, looking at Kingdom Hearts 3, like, it doesn't look out of place. It doesn't look like they use somebody else's tool. It looks like how the Kingdom Hearts special effects always looked. And that's because they actually used, like, their own special custom-built VFX tool that they made themselves so that they could make it look just like they always do. So if you ever wondered why... Kingdom Hearts 3 still looks, you know, when when there's the you know special effects on the screen, why it still looks like Kingdom Hearts? Well, <laughs> that's because the Kingdom Hearts team made the tools that they needed, uh, and they built it on top of uh, Unreal Engine 4. So that's super cool. So yeah, like I said, basic main point that was really powerful is the fact that they had source code access to Unreal Engine 4. But the second big point is their designer-friendly tools that are already built into Unreal Engine. Now, I can definitely speak more onto this side, you know, being more on the artist side of thing. This is more my cup of tea. Uh, but basically, some of the designer-friendly tools that they made reference to, uh, uh, first one was the material editor. Now, this is something that I spend so much time in. <laughs> this is my bread and butter. I love the material editor. So I just want to quickly explain what materials are, because if you are, you know, if you don't know about it, it's, you know, understandable because it's a little bit more technical. But basically, uh, back in the day, in the past, early on in 3D production, uh, we didn't have lighting. There was no such thing as lighting. So everything was done with flat 2D pictures. You know, uh, I'm sure everybody has at least heard of what a texture is. It's basically a flat 2D image that gets wrapped around a 3D model. And that's pretty much all you have to work with. You know, that's basically what the PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 generation was all about. It was like you had textures and that's about it. There's no concept of lighting, really. Like there's a little bit of lighting that you can fake, but most mostly there is just a flat texture that won't change at all and that kind of is what defined the look of kingdom hearts back on the playstation 2 the psp and everything else that it it was on until it finally came to unreal engine 4 so basically what a material is a material does contain texture data but basically a material doesn't just define the color of something. It doesn't define just the diffuse look of it. It's not just the color. It's also how it interacts with light. What does it look like when light hits it? Uh, so an example of this is, you know, does it look like metal? 
Does it look like wood? Does it look like plastic? You know, if you look at Kingdom Hearts 3 in particular, let's t- take the toy box world, for example. When you are in uh, the uh, the kids' playroom, for example, you know there's that, that ball pit in the center? Yeah. All the balls in that ball pit, they look like plastic. Like, that is specifically, like, ball pit ball plastic. Like, they did a really good job making sure that that looks like when light reflects off of it, it looks exactly like the kind of material it should be. Or, another example from Toy Story, outside of Andy's house, you go out to the street. You see the street, the actual road, the asphalt on the road. That asphalt looks like asphalt. And not just the color of it, but the way it interacts with in the light. If you like rotate the camera, the way it's very softly lighting the the concrete really makes it look like concrete. If the concrete was really like reflective, that would be weird. If it looked like rubber, that would be weird, but it doesn't look like that. It looks like this really nice concrete material. So that's what materials are all about. And I think I've mentioned it in the past, but basically the thing that Unreal Engine brings to the table is actually Unreal Engine was inspired by Disney. It was actually research that Disney did in the late 2000s, like uh, we're talking like 2010s era, you know, early, early 2010s, late 2000s. Uh, Basically, Disney published this paper about this concept known as physically based rendering. And that basically you can define pretty, you can make pretty much any material you want with three components and that's it. You can basically make whatever you want with three components. And those three components are the base color, if it's a metal or not a metal, and something called the roughness. So those are the three points that you have. And basically what that defines is, uh, so yeah, base color, that's the color of the object. So if we're talking about ball pit ball, okay, ball pit ball, uh, let's say it's red. Okay, red ball, got it. What's the metalness? So metalness defines, uh, metalness is a yes, no question. It is not a, it's not a slider. Even though you can use it as one, you're not supposed to, according to physically based rendering. Metalness is, is it a metal or is it not a metal? That's a lot more technical. If you want to know what the difference in in terms of metal versus non-metal rendering is, you can look that up online. But basically, it determines the color of the reflection in the object. So plastic, ball pit ball, obviously plastic. Is plastic a metal? No, plastic is not a metal. So let's set that to not a metal. Last bit of last question, roughness. That determines the microstructure of the surface. And basically what it means is how reflective is the surface? If we're talking ball pit ball, it is very, very reflective. So you set the roughness value very low. But if we're talking about like a piece of chalk, if I wanted it to not look like a rubber ball or like a plastic ball, but I want it to look like a rubber ball, like a bouncy ball, I would set the roughness value very high. So it would be very soft looking. So these are all the different things that, the artists have control over. These are very easy to use. It's literally just like you put in some simple values and you can get this material very quickly. The fact that artists have this kind of control 
without the interaction with uh, or without having to bother the programming team is very freeing. I can say from experience, like it's really easy to make the kinds of materials that are necessary for Kingdom Hearts. Uh, actually, uh, back in 2015, when uh, there was that D23 event, uh, back then I actually when they had when they announced that Baymax was gonna or uh, Big Hero Six was gonna be a, a movie in the game, I was like, oh my god, that's so cool, and I. I was actually working in Unreal Engine 4 at the time. I was like, all right, let me see if I can make the materials of Baymax. And in like, I want to say in like maybe an hour, two hours, I made every single material that Baymax would use. You got the car paint, the carbon fiber red material that is, you know, his armor. You have the soft marshmallow uh, body you know, you got the purple rubber, you know, reinforced rubber that is, uh, you know, part of his armor. You got the black parts. Like, I made that back in 2015, literally after they announced it, just for fun. You'd have to really dig for it on my Twitter. It's pretty far back. But around 2015, around the time that uh, D23 released, if you wanted to see what that would look like. But, you know, just from experience, man, Unreal Engine 4 is material editor, super good. And let's just say that that's, probably one of the key reasons on uh, kingdom hearts looks so close to the movies is that material editor. It's really that important. Uh, the other thing that they talked about is that uh, they actually specifically decided as a team to limit the access, uh, the source code access to the engine to just when it comes to artists, only to the highest level artists, only to the lead artists, because basically when you give them too much freedom, you know, just like Uncle Ben says in uh, Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. And uh, basically the reasoning behind that is any sort of like custom stuff that you make, you know, they were kind of worried that it would be too heavy to run in game. So they made sure just to limit it to the the highest end lead artists. And uh, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the other th- designer-friendly tool that they really like, and I do use myself uh, a bit, not as much anymore, but uh, it-, it is a really powerful tool, is something known as blueprint scripting. Uh, basically, what blueprints are is instead of programming with code, like a language like C++, which is the programming language that uh, Z- uh, uh, Unreal Engine 4 uses, uh, instead of using C++, you have this uh, tool called blueprints which are basically these nodes that you connect together to basically program without having to code anything. Like it's really powerful. So you can basically make now this you you literally you literally could make a game with only blueprints and actually there's many people that do that, but it's not the most fast thing in the world. It doesn't perform that well. So they usually recommend that you use blueprints only for things that are not important or are for prototyping purposes. And that's basically what they described here is that for the Kingdom Hearts team, the thing that they really liked about blueprints is it gave them an opportunity to really quickly try something out, test it. And then if they like it, they can keep it. Or if they don't like it, they can change it. And they can keep iterating on it. The problem with coding it and just using, uh, you know, programming, at least with Unreal Engine 4, and I, 
I I've, I I used to program a little bit with Unreal, Unreal Engine 4, but I agree with them. It's so much of a pain. Basically, every time you have to change something, you have to recompile the engine, and <laughs> it takes a while. So that can be a lot slower. So it's a lot better to use Blueprints instead, where the iteration time is a lot faster. You hit compile, it's done in a couple of seconds, and then you hit play, and you're just in-game already. So you can like really quickly uh, move through this. So yeah, it's a lot of really cool stuff. I I really appreciated seeing it. It's not like the most mind-blowing stuff in the world. The only thing that I would say that was kind of an interesting revelation that might have some interesting implications on the future was in the video version of the developer spotlight. They actually showed the Kingdom Hearts team's version of the engine and what they have in there. And what I noticed was uh, they have their own tool and I believe it was called, I think it was called Square Enix Extension. And it was a special tool within Unreal Engine and they were showing how they're using it for the special effects. That, the fact that I, you know, seeing that actually gave me a bit of, uh, I don't know, it it helped me feel more rest assured looking at that. Because even though they have customized the engine, it seems like it's its own little module that doesn't affect the main functionality of the engine. So it's its own, it's its own separate tool inside of Unreal Engine. It's a, it's a module within Unreal Engine, as opposed to them going around and messing around with a lot of different parts of Unreal Engine. It definitely feels like since... They, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen their whole build of what their engine is like, but it seems like they were very smart in trying to isolate the parts of the engine that they changed. And that's important for the future. And the reason why is, and I think we talked about it on a prior episode, that uh, uh, basically Epic Game was, was talking about what the process is like to transition to Unreal Engine 5. And they basically said, the more you customize the engine the harder it's going to be to transition over to Unreal uh, Unreal Engine 5. Because obviously, if you change a lot, then you're not going to be as compatible to UE5 as, you know, base Unreal Engine 4. So the good news is it seems like the stuff that Square Enix has changed is more like, it looks more like they developed a plugin for Unreal Engine. It seems like they're using base Unreal Engine 4 but they've developed a lot of plugins that they use with it to basically give them the features that they want that is isn't already built in. So, if that is the case and you know, this is only based off of a quick clip that I saw and the fact that it looked like they were just using a plugin, uh if that is the case, then the good news is if they want to translate or transition over to Unreal Engine 5, then what the process would be is you know, transition your projects over to Unreal Engine 5 and update all of the plugins that they've made to run in Unreal Engine 5. That's not as that's not like super simple. I'm not saying that's simple, but it's a lot more simple than if it wasn't plugin based and it was more like they customized the engine from the ground up and it's basically something else now and not even really Unreal Engine 4 anymore. That does not seem to be the case. It seems like for the most part, they're using base Unreal Engine 4, but 
they just happen to have some extra tools that are built custom just for them to make specific things that only you know they would use so if that is the case then it shouldn't be a big ask as big an ask for them to move over to ue5 so that's the one takeaway that i got out of watching this that kind of gave me a little bit of assurance it's again just speculation on my part but as someone that uses the engine a lot you know just looking at what i see based on what i see it seems mostly like they're using the same tool that I'm using. It's just that they have a couple of things that I don't have because they made it. So yeah, long and the short of it though, that's basically what I got out of the, out of that. Uh, if you want to see it, you can check out on uh, the unreal engine YouTube page. They have a video version of that. And there's also an article. So uh, yeah, last bits of uh, news. Uh, Kingdom hearts, dark road episode two is out. Yay. I haven't played it. Churro hasn't played it, but uh, yeah, uh, you I'll, can play I'll it. get around to it. <laughs> yeah, I'll get I'll get around to it too. Yeah, it, this one does not. I don't know. At first glance, this one seems to not be as huge and epic as the first episode, but we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, if uh, if you didn't know already, uh, it is out. So yeah, go play it. Uh, next bit of news. This actually came out a little bit after we recorded the podcast, but uh, last time, but. Yeah, the soundtrack for Kingdom Hearts 3 is releasing November 11th. Yay, finally. And and that's going to include a lot of games. We're talking Kingdom Hearts Union Cross, Unchained Key, Kingdom Hearts 3, Kingdom Hearts Remind, Kingdom Hearts 2.8. Basically, everything that they've released (laughs) since their last soundtrack Everything is on this disc. It's an eight-disc soundtrack, and it's also going to include all the uh, Utada Hikoru themes. So this seems pretty all-encompassing, and as expected, it's going to be expensive because it's kind of like that uh, other collection of like of uh, Days, Birth by Sleep, and Recovery yeah, soundtracks. yeah, yeah. That's what it's like. So uh, it's going to be a hundred twenty thousand yen. I think that's right. Yeah, twelve thousand no, yen. Oh, uh, twelve thousand yen. Yeah, I'm bad with uh, translating the numbers, but uh, yeah, twelve thousand yen. So that's about a hundred and twenty dollars ish, maybe about a hundred bucks. Depends on the exchange rate, but uh, yeah, it's it's a big collection, but it seems pretty worth it. Uh, Churro, at least for me, like one of the things that I'm most excited about is I want to know all the names of the Kingdom Hearts three tracks. Yes, we all do. Gotta know what those are. Like it's been so long. You know what I really want to know, though? I want to know some of the, the track names for the Yozora stuff, like Remind. I want to know what those are, see if there's any, like, hints at the future. Well, we all know. We're all going to dice like that. Remember when uh, the yeah the orchestra soundtrack came out? They had, like, the, the, the heroes of Kingdom Hearts, and then at the end, it's, like, Vanitas' theme playing at the very end of the, of the song. Yep. And then everybody was freaking out. It was like, oh, Vanita's going to turn good and all that. And nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not happening. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot to be hyped about. So that's November 11th. Churro, uh, speaking of the fact that this is releasing November 11th, do you think this is like a clue as to when Melody of Memory might release? Do you think it might be around the same time? It could be, but... Honestly, because I mean, yeah, I said, it's, it's I impossible said, I said, to think. It's impossible to say, but I don't know. Just something about the fact that you know 
it's like such a music based game, right? So it just yeah. seems like it would, it would make sense to release around the same time. But yeah, obviously, and there's no way to know for sure. We haven't got a, another trailer for the game since yeah. you know, the, the original June trailer that we got. So I mean, we have Gamescom online this month, and then Tokyo Game Show online just next month. So I'm yeah. thinking that we may get it next month, like yeah. the release date and everything. I agree. Yeah, I, I would say Tokyo Game Show makes the most sense. Um, so yeah, my current guess is maybe around that time. And Jero, if I remember correctly, let's say hypothetically it released on November 11th. I think that would make it the anniversary of the Japanese release of Chain of Memories. If I'm not remembering incorrectly i'm pretty sure it released november 11th 2004 and i know for a fact that the english version released december 7th 2004 so i wonder if it might be around that time that'd be very interesting because that would be interesting it it wasn't the first time since you know they've uh, released another kingdom hearts game on an anniversary of another kingdom hearts game yep and there's like definitely a lot of parallels so far between this game and Chain of Memories. I mean, for one, it's got also, the name Memory in it. It just it just may be me, but you know, if you put eleven eleven together, what does that make in Roman numerals? Four. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, but it, don't don't read in too much. Into that. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 just Kingdom Hearts four o'clock. confirmed. You heard it here first, guys. That's just my my brain at eleven o'clock at night there you thinking. Go. So uh, yeah, at the very least, uh, look out for that soundtrack and definitely look out for that track list. I'm excited to see what those names are, but uh, yeah, really exciting. And uh, yeah, moving on, uh, Brave XVS collab with Kingdom Hearts three. That's super cool. Got, yeah, Japan uh, right now. Yeah, got a uh, special character Sora, Kingdom Hearts three Sora, Kingdom Hearts three Kyrie, Riku, also Kingdom Hearts three and Xehanort. From all... uh, from Dark Road. Oh, Dark Road. Oh, that's right. It's Dark Road Xehanort. So Dark Road Xehanort. That's right. So yeah, a lot of characters you can get. They're all in this really cute pixel art style. And what I really like is all the characters. They appear in like this bubble, and it's almost like it reminds me of like a portal from uh from the game Portal, where it's like this round portal that they're looking through. And it's like they're not in the Brave Exvius world. It's just that they're looking through a portal from the Kingdom Hearts world to the Brave Exvius world. And in that way, through the portal, they're interacting with the Brave Exvius stuff. And it almost makes me feel like they're being super consistent about absolutely everything Kingdom Hearts is canon. Even the DLC for even these little characters in uh, Brave Exvius. Even this is canon. Wow. Uh, that's that's at least my reading of it i'm not saying this is officially canon i'm just saying the fact that they're in a portal and they haven't crossed over kind of makes it almost realistic they're basically like summons like in uh, world of final fantasy yeah yeah that's the thing is like the world of final fantasy collab i never really experienced that did that have any thing story related did it seem like that was the real sora or was it just a simple summon just a simple summon, basically. Okay. Once you once you download the Sora thing, it basically it's in your inventory. Then you just summon it, and he just appears okay. like normal. He just shows up. So I guess maybe that one you could argue is not canon. 
But for the most part, it seems like everything could theoretically be canon. Uh, but yeah, so that pretty much covers the news for this time. Yeah, a lot of really great stuff. Now, so now let's uh, move on to the question segment. Our first question comes from Raphael Belmont, and they ask, Is the Jungle Book world never going to happen? And if it does, do you think it would just be better to go with the live-action Jungle Book instead? No. No, no, <laughs> no, please, no, no, God, no, it's, guys, just, just, no, please, stop. I yeah. mean, if, it's, if you're going to the Jungle Book, please, just make Do sure the original. The original. Yeah, same. There's no need to go live action. Uh, yeah, I'm actually, watched... like, I'm, a- I'm actually kind of in the mood for a Jungle Book world, because ever since we moved to Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, we mostly got worlds based on cg movies which makes sense we've you know we visited most of the 2d movies there's a few that we haven't but we visited most of the 2d movies already so but there's definitely some glaring miss missing ones and jungle book feels like one of them and also the fact that like it seems really hard to go back to like tarzan it seems like the perfect opportunity to have a jungle book world right yeah, I mean, remember, Nomura has been wanting Toy Story since Kingdom Hearts 1. Yeah. And it took him, um, you know, eight, you know, 17 years before he finally yeah. was able to put it into a Kingdom Hearts right. game. So, you know, what if tar- what if the Jungle Book was one of those worlds, considering it was found in Birth by Sleep? Yep, it was found in Birth by Sleep. There was, uh, you know, design concepts for it for uh, Kingdom Hearts 1. You know, this is definitely a world that, you know, yeah, just like you're saying with uh, with Toy Story, like it has a long history with Kingdom Hearts, but it just never got off the ground for whatever reason. So it's uh, it's really interesting that there's this, uh, you know, you know, this world that has just been, you know, neglected for so long. So I hope one day they do get to do it. But um, Cheryl, what what's the likelihood you think of it actually happening? Like, is there any reason for it to happen now versus any other time? Yeah, considering, so. I mean, Namara's been more and more demanding of Kingdom Hearts now. That's true, like, cause, yeah. Because basically he's moved, you know, now he's like moved on from like 15 now, finally, you know, yeah. now he can put more into like, you know, what the world ends with you to, you know, whatever he had with Versus into Kingdom Hearts. Now it's like, now he's becoming saying, hey. It's my game now. Yep. Let me do what I want. Exactly. As much as I can from Disney. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really, like, I'm excited to see what, like, worlds he explores next. I wonder if, like, I don't know, there's just something about the way, you know, Remind shook out at the end, you know, with the secret episode. The whole fact that, you know, you go to that Shinjuku Shibuya area and it feels like, like Sora's character model is like actually different in that world. Like all the shaders, all the materials in that world, speaking of materials, we were talking about it before, all the materials on Sora are completely custom just for that world. And Sora, yeah, it's completely different. So the fact that, you know they went through that effort you know kind of like slightly hints at the possibility that they might be going for more realistic disney worlds maybe like so maybe more live action stuff or 
more CG I mean, stuff or Marvel or Star Wars. Who knows? I like, mean, considering tomorrow's evolving the the gameplay and the looks of it, yeah, to, to fit the more modern of what Disney is going for, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if tomorrow's like. I mean, because basically, remember how he sated with the Pirates of the Caribbean world, how he wanted it, you know, in there because he wanted to push the boundaries again of how much they can, yeah, you know, do it. And basically, to me, it just feels like the Pirates of the Caribbean world was just like a test for them with like yeah. more live action. So yeah, I would, I would definitely put, say that, uh, yeah, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and Big Hero Six were both like a big test because you know you got the city world. And then you got the realistic aspect of Pirates of the Caribbean, the open world, like all that, like ending stuff. I I totally agree. I, I totally see that as being like a template for what the future could hold. Yeah. And, you know, I then going from there, I wouldn't put it past me if Nomura was going to start putting in like live action variations of the world and yeah. call it like a diff and have it be like an alternate timeline of that world. So, so for example, uh, Beauty and the Beast, you know, you have the Disney cartoon version, but then you have yep. the real live action. Can you imagine them being like a, an alternate? Yeah, that would be considering, crazy. Well, considering Nomura's doing all these alternate realities, you know, with Kingdom Hearts yeah. you know, versus, and then it would make sense. Remake. It would make sense because like, you know, yeah, Kingdom Hearts has always had multiple worlds, but it would be weird, for example, to in the same realm that Sora's from, if he were to go to another Aladdin world and it was the live action Aladdin with Will Smith in it, like that would be weird, but I wouldn't hold it against them. If now that we're in a new world line, maybe in this world line, you know, there's all the old movies that we loved before, but it's all the live action ones. Like if that was the reasoning by it, then I would actually be okay with that. I would actually even be okay with if, you know, Avengers or Star Wars showed up as well. Because I right. personally like those more. One thing that I'll ask, though, Churro, is so, so far, uh, the two worlds, or actually technically three, the three different worlds that we've so far experienced in Kingdom Hearts so far that have had a live-action twist have been the Pirates of the Caribbean, well, actually two Pirates of the Caribbean worlds, there's uh the two and the true two Tron worlds. Those are the those are so far the ones that we've had that have had some sort of live action basis to them so far in Kingdom Hearts. What I wonder about so far, Kingdom Hearts has been successful in it always, but you look at Marvel's Avengers, the Crystal Dynamics game, they were unable to secure, or maybe they just chose not to the likenesses of the original actors. They didn't get Robert Downey Jr., they didn't get Chris Evans, all those guys for the Avengers. They decided to make their own original type characters and their own original designs. And if you look at, you know, fan reaction, it's been kind of mixed by the fact that they didn't get the the actual likenesses. But you look at Kingdom Hearts, and so far, for every single world that has been live-action based, they got the actual rights for, you know, the actual actors' likenesses. You know, Johnny Depp is, you know, that that Jack Sparrow, that's Johnny Depp. You know, uh, you know, you got Orlando Bloom, Kiara Knightley, you know, got all the guys from uh, Tron. They're all the original looks of these characters, and it kind of makes you wonder, like, okay, if they decided to go 
hardcore on this, I wonder if they could even afford to do it for an entire game. Like you think about the Disney live action movies, like some of these worlds have some pretty big name actors like, you know, uh, you got Emma Watson as uh, Belle, you know, Hermione, <laughs> like she's a pretty big actress this, these days. And yeah. uh, you got so many different worlds that have all these like big name actors that like Angelina Jolie is Maleficent. I mean, I'm not saying that it's it's unheard of for Kingdom Hearts. I mean, for goodness sakes, we have or, uh, Orlando Bloom, Kiara Knightley, and Johnny Depp already in Kingdom Hearts. So it's definitely not outside of the realm of possibility for Kingdom Hearts. I'm just like, this. if they were to do this, it would be over the course of an entire game as opposed to just one world. Or in the case of Kingdom Hearts 2, it was two worlds in that game, and that's all they did. So it just makes me kind of wonder if they would like really double down on this, but uh, yeah, kind of an interesting idea. I, I I would personally be down for it. I know a lot of people wouldn't, but I would be okay with it. So uh, yeah, I guess moving on from there, uh, Chero, if you could take this last question. This is from Usada Coco, and they write, in the Kingdom Hearts 3 Reminds secret episode, Yozora says that the form Sora sees isn't what he really looks like. What do you think is his real form? Is it like Noctis, for example? So, obviously, that's like the obvious one. Maybe. I hope so. But I wonder, Chero, do you think, let's say it is Noctis. Do you think we would ever actually be able to see it? <laughs> would that be okay? Is that too, is that too much? The, the, well, the question is, should we see it? Should <laughs> we see it? Yeah, yeah, I I wonder if it, it, let's say it is Noctis and, you know, at one point, let's say we like, you know, we use the Keyblade on Yozora and somehow unlock his heart and like return him to his original form. And then he goes back to looking like Noctis. Let's say that happens. I wonder if that would happen basically off screen where you just, you wouldn't see his face, but maybe like, maybe you see his outfit and it's the, the, the old, uh, you know, Rowan design fashion outfit that he has. And yeah. maybe maybe you just see that and that's it. Or if not that, then maybe you unlock his heart and then it goes back to the original versus thirteen outfit. You remember it like his old clothes that were like yeah, the, more the King of Hearts bag. style? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The trash bag. Like, if that happened, then that would answer everything. And you you don't need to see his face for that to be confirmed for you. But it kind of makes sense. Like, remember how people were commenting on uh, his outfit and how the fact that there's a lot of kingdom hearts iconography all over his clothes. Like there's, there's like Mickey symbols. There's like, uh, there's like a skull and crossbones with Keyblades. Like there's a lot of kingdom hearts iconography that just simply would not make sense in a world at all apart from kingdom hearts. And, I don't know. I just remember because when I was watching the scene recently again, uh, he says when he asks, like, oh, do you know who I am? You know, Sora says that. It's like, oh, yeah, I know who you are. But he doesn't refer to why. And I almost kind of think, Churro, what if Kingdom Hearts is a video game in Yosora's world? <laughs> like, what if it's the opposite, you know? Yeah, the opposite. Rex, you know, it's like an alternate timeline alternate thing you yeah know, we're, we're universe King, kingdom hearts is just a uh it's just a video game in his world and it's like yeah i know who sora is 
That would be, be pretty trippy. And maybe, no, maybe, maybe, maybe he's not a Kingdom Hearts fan. Maybe he doesn't like Kingdom Hearts because if it was a Kingdom Hearts fan, and he is like, "Oh my God, it's Sora!" Hi, like a real Kingdom Hearts fan would freak out. Like uh, like uh, Rex did with uh, exactly, Zora. exactly. So I wonder what it is. I mean, he's wearing Kingdom Hearts iconography, but who knows? But it's interesting though. Remember back in uh in uh, vanilla Kingdom Hearts three, that's actually exactly what uh the the unnamed star was saying. That oh, I I wonder if he would even remember me. Like he's been completely altered beyond recognition. He doesn't look like he did before. Like she specifically says that. So that kind of ties in with that whole concept that, uh, yeah, he's been changed. His heart's been changed. And he specifically describes it almost like with Shion, how it was like, oh, if you look at me and the person you see is Yozora, that means you're my enemy. And that's basically what that's the reason for them fighting. So I'm really interested to see where that goes. But, yeah, in terms of like what form he could be like. It's hard to say. Like, we really don't know too much about him. The only thing that we could speculate, yeah, Noctis, and I guess the other one would be, you know, like everybody says, <laughs> adult Sora, time-traveling Sora. Everybody wants that to happen. Everybody wants everybody time-traveling does. Sora to be a thing. So, hard to say. Churro, do you have any guess other than, like, Noctis or Sora? I think it's just going to be, like, it's going to be, New like, character? New character, because... Knowing tomorrow, he's gonna do like a one eighty on it. Yeah. Just like remember how he said that, you know, remember how he said in the interview in the Ultimania that, you know, it's basically you, everybody thinks based off of something, but he says yeah. that's not the case. So yeah. he, uh, it's obvious he put something right in front of us that we think it's one thing, but knowing tomorrow, he's yeah. gonna do his Nomura twist on it and then be something completely different. Yeah, I do have one last guess, which is really obvious, but it's Riku. Maybe Riku, because, you know, there's a whole deal with, like, everybody keeps saying how he looks like Riku. So, I guess, in theory, what if it was Riku after he crosses over into the other timeline and he's looking for Sora, but then he encounters Sora, but Sora says he looks like Yozora, and he's, and apparently maybe he was given the information that if anyone thinks you look like Yozora, you better kill him, <laughs> you know? Well, you have to remember that with Riku's case in the end of Remind, after you beat Limit Cut, yeah, the cutscene basically Riku tells the fairy godmother that Yozora has been a part of his dreams. Yeah, you that's know? right. So there's definitely a connection there. There's something there. Yeah, it seems like that we're probably going to have to go back to the realm of sleep. Yeah, agreed. Because remember, remember when Riku became a Keyblade Master. He had the power over Sora's dreams. Yep, he's his dream eater. So, with the whole realm of sleep going, you know, with the Zora appearing in his dreams, you know, it's going to be something. They're going to they're going to probably use you know the melody of memory, you know, Kyrie's dreams to be a part of it. So basically, we're going to go be going back to the dream world again, possibly. Yep, that makes sense. The only thing that makes me think it's not Riku is. His personality. His personality just does not feel like Riku at all. Like, it it feels like a new character. Like, if it was Riku, I would expect him to act like Riku, but the voice would be, you know, Dylan Sprouse. It would be, uh, you know, Yuzora's voice, just different. Like an alternate version Riku. 
Yeah, yeah. It was just like it would look like somebody else. Like remember um at the end of three five eight over two where Shion finally fully looks like Sora? Like yeah. she looked like Sora, but she talked like Shion, and it even sounded like Shion at that point. So I don't think it's that kind of a situation, so it's probably someone we don't know at all. I would agree with you there. So yeah. We'll have to see. I mean, Noctis is the obvious one that everybody wants, but uh, hard to say, you know, at this point. We'll have to see how things progress. But I wonder, you know, Churro, maybe this whole time, every time we've ever seen Yozora, I wonder if every time we've ever seen Yozora, it's more like the Kingdom Hearts, the quote-unquote Kingdom Hearts censored version. Like, maybe in reality, it's always been Noctis in those scenes. But because we're seeing kingdom hearts through the eyes of like a kingdom hearts perspective, you know, just like with Sora and how Yozora explained it to him is like, Oh, because you see me as Yozora, you know, it means I need to fight you. You know, maybe it's that kind of situation that we're kind of in the same perspective as Sora. So his appearance gets altered through our eyes because our eyes are the same perspective as Sora has. That Sora has. Just like, just like you said with Shion is like whoever basically Shion reflects the person you know yeah how they witnessing them yeah so basically you know with you know it's a bar it's ventus yes you know and then with syax it's just a a a puppet you know a blank face puppet so yeah it's really interesting so yeah i wonder if there's something like that going on and maybe maybe one day once everything is revealed maybe they'll maybe they'll be like a rewind back so we could see you know prior scenes that we saw before but through Yozora's perspective where he sees himself as he truly is. So that could be pretty neat. So yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up the question segment. So our music for this episode is a jazz cover of face my fears. Ooh, I love jazz covers. So that's a real like random cut, but yeah, this comes from Eric L on YouTube and yeah, we've had him in the past. I think we've had his cover of a don't think twice actually. So uh, it's only fitting to also have his cover of Face My Fears, you know, a dubstep song turned into jazz. It works. So definitely enjoy that. Our next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 25th of August. As always, if you guys like the show, you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one. Yeah. And of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com or uh, Spotify or... Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at uh, KH Union. And remember, as always, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And if you have any questions that you would like read out on the show, uh, please send them to KHUQuestions at gmail.com. All right, Churro, we made it. It's that time again. It's goodbye time. We did it. Hey, we're in 201 now. You know, we're in the 201. We're in the 200 generation, the 200 arc. Or the, or the, for me and Brandon's case, the old people's arc. The old people's arc. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see how things go. I think this will be an exciting arc. I'm excited to see where it goes. I mean, at the very least, you know, much like, uh, you know, we keep talking about how uh, there's all these uh, parallels between Melody of Memory and Chain of Memories. I feel like we're in that situation, too, where, you know, Sora is at the crossroads. That's how I feel we're at with the Kingdom Hearts series definitely let me also uh point out that the crossroads there are four roads 
Yep. There's, there's <laughs> go back to Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom 1, Hearts then, four confirmed. Also, the first road is to go back. <laughs> yeah, the first road is go back. By the way, uh, also, uh, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories released in two thousand four. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts four confirmed. <laughs> dot dot dot. Yeah, that's the problem with us. We we, we can't stop confirming things, Cheryl. We need to stop. I know. You guys hear if if that confirms to be true, you guys heard it here first. Exactly. That's, we gotta put that on a t-shirt. Like along with uh it's always a deep dive day, we gotta say you heard it here first. With our pictures on it. <laughs> with our pictures on it. Like an anime style. It should be you heard it here first, trademark. There you go. Put a TM at the end. Yep, exactly. All right, Cheryl, say goodbyes. All right, bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and, you know, uh, welcome to the 200s. Yep, that's right. And I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production.